This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, if you've ever been involved in a political campaign, you're going to love tonight's first show as we hear about the great Gildersleeve running for mayor. There's a lot of backroom dealing going on, and poor hapless Floyd the Barber is about to be drawn into the whole mess. Here's Harold Perry as the great Gildersleeve and the episode Campaign Headquarters. The great Gildersleeve! Yeah! Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you the Great Gildersleeve every week at this time, written by John Whedon and Sam Moore. We'll hear from the Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. If you're taking the family on a picnic this Memorial Day, surprise them with a variety of tempting treats made with Pabstet, the delicious golden cheese food. Pabstet goes a long way toward satisfying hearty appetites because Pabstet is so delicious in so many appetizing ways. For example, blend a smooth, luscious Pabstet cheese sauce into a macaroni loaf or a molded cheese loaf or a molded vegetable ring. They're easy to prepare and delicious on an outing. Dates are pruned stuffed with Pabstet. Make another grand picnic treat. And, of course, it goes without saying that Pabstet is wonderful as a sandwich spread, rich in mellow cheddar cheese flavor. Remember, too, that Pabstet adds nourishing goodness, muscle-building proteins, food energy, milk minerals, and vitamin A. So head up your shopping list with Pabstet, the delicious golden cheese food. Don't forget, the name is Pabstet. Now let's follow once more the ups and downs in the career of Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Last week, he had one of his ups. At the annual outing given for the city employees, he stole the show with his fruity baritone and forced Mayor Terwilliger to retire in confusion. And today we find him still riding the crest of that wave as he strolls down Main Street with his campaign manager, Judge Hooker, about to enter Floyd Munson's barber shop. After you, Gildy. No, no, after you, Judge. I insist, after you. No, after you. Well, well then... then... <laughs> Well, make up your mind. I'll make up yours. All right, after me. Close the door, gents. You're letting in flies. Oh, hello, Floyd. How's business? How's the wife? That's fine. Hi, Commissioner. Thought it was about time you were coming around. Oh, I'm overdue, Floyd. Overdue. But I haven't had time. Well, I haven't one for a real haircut today. Just a little trim. Okay, climb right up in the chair there. Hi, Judge. Hey, Floyd. Make yourself at home with the magazines there. It's a new Esquire that's worth looking at. I'm not interested in Esquire, Floyd. I... Where is it? That's there somewhere. Don't miss the Varga girl. Brother, that girl telephones in the darndest positions. 
Well, how you been, Commissioner? Well, I can't complain, Floyd. Can't complain. I hear where you knocked him dead at the mayor's picnic the other day. Oh, hardly that, Floyd. Did you see what the indicator said about me? Yeah, I saw that. Judge, you've got the newspaper clipping there. Read it to Floyd. But I told you I read it. Uh, that's all right. Read it again, Judge. I like to hear it. Judge. Huh? What's that? Put down the Esquire and read us that clipping from the indicator again, will you? Oh, certainly. I got it right here. Yeah, read us the part about the ovation. This is from the indicator, Floyd. It's an editorial. I know. I read it. It says, at the recent annual outing of the city employees of Summerfield, Mr. Gildersleeve received an impressive ovation. How do you like that? An impressive ovation? Head down a little, Commissioner, please. Oh, yes, yes. Listen, do you want me to read this or don't you? Oh, go ahead, Judge. Read it. Quiet, Floyd. Quiet. Mr. Gildersleeve received an impressive ovation and proved himself a real vote-getter with a golden voice and a knack of swaying crowds. <laughs> Not bad, eh, Floyd? A real vote-getter. Wait a minute. Listen to this. Behind this smart campaigning may be seen the guiding hand of his astute campaign manager, Judge Horace Hooker. Yeah, astute. We predict that between them, they'll give Mayor Williger a real run for his money. Pretty swell right up, eh, Floyd? Yes, it is, Commissioner. I only hope you're not going to forget your friends when you get up there in the mayor's office. Oh, uh, don't worry, Floyd. Mayor Gildersleeve will know who his real friends are, Floyd. I'll see to that. What do you mean, Judge? I think you know what I mean. Why, I've been for Mr. Gildersleeve right along. You know that. Floyd, don't add perjury to your other sins. What? They're numerous enough already. Now, Judge. You got me all wrong, Judge. Why, only the other... You're a Terwilliger man, and you know it. Floyd, is this true? Commissioner, I hope I may die tomorrow if I... Why, only the other day... Floyd. Well, sure, I cut the mayor's hair, sure. Business is business. I got to be polite to him, don't I? Perhaps. You don't have to run his political errands for him. You don't have to be his stooge. Now, Judge, I think that's going a little far. Easy, Horace. Let's not be calling any harsh names. You can't blame a man just because he cuts somebody's hair. Cutting hair is my business. Yeah, you'd cut a throat just as quickly. Now, Horace. <laughs> Put on that razor, Floyd. Let's straighten this out. Well, I think the judge owes me an apology. Apology for what? Now, now, I think Floyd sees which way the political wind is blowing, Judge. You're darn right I do. I feel sure he's going to vote the way his conscience tells him to. Aren't you, Floyd? You're darn right I am. Then why, may I ask, has he consistently refused to lend your campaign any assistance whatsoever? Judge, how can you say that? I've been for the commissioner here right along. Why, only the Listen, other day... I we could... need office space for our headquarters. The floor above this shop is empty, and it would be ideal. Not but every just... time that I've asked you to let us use it, you've hemmed and hawed and stalled around. Now, how about it? Yes, Floyd, how about it? Well, gosh, fellas, you, you put me in kind of a difficult position. How about it, Floyd? Well, voting for Mr. Gildersleeve is one thing, but having his headquarters right here in the shop... Gosh, I'm liable to lose some trade that way. Only the undesirable trade, Floyd. The time has come, Floyd, for every man to make his choice and declare himself. Is it yes or no? Well, well, all right. Fine, I knew you would, Floyd. Now, Judge, you get busy and see if you can rustle up some office furniture. I don't suppose there's any up there, Floyd. Oh, nothing but an old piano. Well, we need a couple of desks and some chairs and, you know, and some fire. Yeah, I'll get right on it, Gildy. I think I even know where I can borrow an electric fan. Great. I'll run home and see if I can round up some volunteer workers. Hey, let me up, Floyd. But the haircut, I haven't finished, Commissioner. No, we'll call it done. Finish it some other time. Here, keep the change. Say, you don't let any moss grow, do you? Not me. Uh-oh, telephone. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh. Gildersleeve headquarters. She and I had a nice, quiet little business here. Yeah. 
left. Who left that right inside the door? Is that you, Uncle Mort? Certainly it's me. Look at this hallway. Baseball gloves, comic books. It's lucky I didn't break my neck. Where's Leroy? He's up in his room. He's got his commando gang up there. Well, they better stay there. I've got some telephoning to do. Well, I won't bother you. I'm going to the movies. Oh, not this afternoon, my dear. I need your help. Oh, Uncle Mort. Yeah, where's Bertie? I need you both this afternoon. Oh, Bertie! Bertie! Gosh, this always happens. You calling me, Miss Gillsleeve? Yeah, Bertie. I thought I heard your golden voice. No, Bertie. That's what it said in the paper, Mr. Gillsleeve. Well, never mind that. I wonder if you'd like to do a little political work this afternoon, Bertie. What kind of political work, Mr. Gillsleeve? Well, we're opening up our new headquarters downtown, and there's quite a few things to be done. Yes, sir. Political work, you say? Well, it'll be a definite contribution to my campaign. But it's not anything like making speeches. No, sir. Is there anything like sweeping and dusting out the office? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it, Bertie. But Marjorie will help you, won't you, my dear? Well. What's that? Oh, darn those kids. How about it, Marjorie? Will you help Bertie get the new headquarters ready? Well, I don't see why it has to be cleaned on the one afternoon the Cary Grant pictures at the Majestic. Marjorie Cary Grant will be back again someday. Yes, but by that time I'll be an old woman. Oh, my God. Ye gods, what are those kids doing up there? If that racket starts again, I'm going up there myself. And you, young lady, you're going to help me this afternoon. All right. Don't feel bad, honey. We all got to help your uncle. We all got to give up something. I'm going to have to give up doing the laundry this afternoon. <laughs> yes, there you are, my dear. Bertie gives up her laundry. You give up Cary Grant. <laughs> Cheer up. It'll all be over on June the 20th. come to order means. Well, I don't. What does it mean, Leroy? It means shut up. Now, come to order. Well, I don't see why you always have to be the boss. Who said you were the boss anyway? Do we have to go all over that again? Come to order. Okay. I bet there's a catch to it. There's no catch, Whitey. Gosh, don't you understand? We gotta be systematic. We gotta vote and decide this question. What question? What have we been arguing about for half an hour? We just take a vote on it, the majority can decide. Well, for corn's sake, why didn't you say so? Okay, let's vote. Wait a minute. First, everybody gets a chance to speak. Me first. Why do you have to be first? What difference does that make? It doesn't make any difference who goes first. I'm offering to go first just to give you the idea. Okay, go ahead. Gosh. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, commandos. I believe I should be the first one to use the new flamethrower because I am head of the commandos, and so naturally I should go first. Who said you were the head? Piggy, that's all settled. Go ahead and make your speech. Why does he go next? What difference does it make? Leroy just told you it doesn't make any difference. <clears throat> Fellow commandos, I believe I should be the first to use the new flamethrower because it was my idea. I thought of the whole thing. I thank you. Very good, Piggy. Okay, Whitey, you're next. Well, I think I should get first shot because my father owns the blowtorch, and if I don't, I'll take it home. Hey, that's well, so fair! <laughs> If you do that, you're a poor sport, Whitey. Besides, who thought of it in the first place? I don't care. Well, let's get this over with. Let's have the vote. Who do you vote for, Whitey? I vote for me. <laughs> you're not supposed to vote for yourself, you dope. 
Who do you vote for, Pig? Me. Then I'll vote for myself, too. Only I forgot to tell you, in case of a tie, the chairman wins. Hey, Now look what you did. Is that you, Unc? You know who it is. Open the door. Okay. Now, what's going on in here, young man? Oh, nothing, Unc. Oh, not a thing, Mr. Gildersleeve. We were just playing, Mr. Gildersleeve. I never heard such yelling and screaming in my life. What's it all about? Oh, nothing. We were just having a little discussion, and then, then we took a vote, just like in Congress. I don't believe even Congress could make that much noise. <laughs> what were you discussing? Oh, we were talking about who gets first shot with our new flamethrower. Oh, <laughs> flamethrower. What are you boys using for a flamethrower? Here it is, Mr. Gildersleeve. It isn't a flamethrower, really. It's it's just my father's blowtorch. Oh, well, blowtorch? <laughs> Leroy, Piggy, all of you stand back. Get away from that thing. There's nothing to be afraid of, Unc. We carried it over here. We'll carry it right back. Is it loaded? Yeah, she's all ready to squirt. You want to take a shot, Mr. Gildersleeve? <laughs> no, thank you. Now I'll speak to whoever lets you have it. I can promise you that. Turn a bunch of kids loose with a red-hot blowtorch. Who told you you could have it? Who let you have it? Well, Whitey's father wasn't using it, so, well, we didn't think he'd mind. Leroy, that is stealing. Boys, I'm surprised at you. This is the kind of thing that leads to gangsterism. Oh, it couldn't, Uncle. We're just commandos. When you start stealing blowtorches, you're gangsters, Leroy. Why can't you boys find some wholesome occupation for your time? There ain't any. There aren't any. Oh. Uh. <laughs> well, I'll provide one for you. I'll give you boys an assignment much more important than playing commando. I'll give you a chance to help the whole community. Is it work, Unc? <laughs> Let me explain it in my own way, Leroy. As you boys probably know, I'm running for mayor of Summerfield. Yeah, I saw you win the pie-eating contest at the picnic. <laughs> uh, cute. <laughs> Well, Mayor Terwilliger has got posters up all over town with his picture on them, telling people to vote for him. Now, I want to put some posters around with my picture on them. And if you boys will distribute my posters, you'll be doing the city of Summerfield a big favor. Now, doesn't that appeal to your patriotism? Perhaps I haven't made that quite clear. Oh, yeah, it's pretty clear. <laughs> I'm offering you, commandos, a chance to fight the forces of corruption in this town. Give Summerfield a good, honest government. What do you say? Uh, I forgot to mention, each commando gets 50 cents when the job is done. The great Gildersleeve will be with us again in just a few seconds. Of course, no one's wasting important leftovers these days. But do you know the trick of making leftovers not seem like leftovers at all? Well, it's easy with Pabstet, the delicious golden cheese food. First, you make a smooth, luscious cheese sauce with Pabstet and a little milk. And then pour this appetizing Pabstet cheese sauce over leftovers of meat, fish, vegetables, or rice. Fixed any way you like. And presto, Pabstet has helped provide you with a brand new main dish, rich in mellow cheddar cheese flavor. You can serve Pabstet in a variety of other ways, too. Melted with macaroni for a tempting casserole dish. Toasted in sandwiches or sliced for serving with dessert. And remember, Pabstead is wholesome and nourishing. A real favorite with children. So watch your dealer's stocks and whenever you can, buy Pabstead. Ask for the delicious golden cheese food of a hundred uses, Pabstead. <laughs> 
back to the great Gildersleeve. An afternoon of hard work by everyone but the candidate himself has put his headquarters in pretty good shape. But uh, there's just one difficulty. Nobody has come near the place. Gildersleeve, however, is leaving no stone unturned. He's keeping open in the evening, too. And we find him now coming back from supper to relieve his friend, Mr. Peavy. Well, Peavy, anything happened while I was out? No, Mr. Gildersleeve, nothing happened. <laughs> At least, nothing worth mentioning. Ah, uh, in politics, Peavy, anything may be significant. Now, what happened and when? Well, about five minutes past seven, a mouse ran across the floor. <laughs> a mouse, Peavy. I thought you might be passing up something important. Well, that's all that happened. I can show you his hole if you think it's worth following up. <laughs> let it go, Peavy, let it go. I can't understand why more people don't drop in here. Aren't there any politicians in this town? Don't the voters want to be informed? Well, here comes somebody, maybe a voter. Ah, good evening, candidate. Hi, Peavy. It's only Hooker. Darn it, Judge. We haven't had a customer here all day. Yeah, things have been pretty quiet. Well, give yourself a little time, boys. Takes a while to get things rolling. Did you get the posters out, Gildy? Yeah, Leroy and some of his little friends took them out this afternoon. They were very enthusiastic. Fine, fine. Oh, uh, I had a call from Mrs. Pettibone at the Women's Club. She wanted you to sing for them next week. I'm too busy to be going around singing, Judge. That's what I told her. It must be terrible to be so popular, Gildy. Especially with the women. Anyway, those women aren't women. No women are women when you get a bunch of them together. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I saw a group of young ladies in the trolley car this afternoon. Lovely. Peavy. <laughs> Peavy, what's come over you? I don't know, but I rode two blocks past my store. <laughs> Here comes somebody. Don't worry, it won't be anybody. Hi, Floyd. Yeah, what did I tell you? Well, boys, how's the campaign coming up? Nobody even knows we're here, Floyd. We might as well go home. Home? What's the use of going there? If you got a headquarters, you might as well get some use of it. What do you mean, Floyd? I told the wife I was coming down here to help get you fellas organized. She didn't believe it for a while, but I convinced her. So what? Well, brought a deck of cards with me. Ooh. <laughs> That's a good idea, Floyd. Why should we sit here all night and just worry? Well, we uh, might play just a few hands. Sure, nobody wants to play poker all night. No. Pull up a chair, Judge. Pull up a chair, Peavy. Oh, I, I don't think I'd better, Floyd. I, I think I'll just be running along. Oh, no, you don't, Peavy. Your wife's out and we need at least four players. But I don't really understand the game, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah. <laughs> we'll teach you, Peavy. Hey, Floyd? <laughs> Call. What do you got this time, Peavy? Well, it really doesn't amount to much. All I've got is three queens, and then these two eights. <laughs> well, I'm licked. Telephone. You take it, Judge. Another hand, boys. Yeah, deal faster. I'll never get even. Gildersleeve headquarters. I'm sorry, Mr. Gildersleeve is very busy right now. This is campaign manager. Could I give him a message? It must be long distance the way the judge is shouting. Yeah? Yes? In just a minute, I'll ask him. It's the president of the Kiwanis Club, Gildy. They're giving you a smoker Friday night, and they want to know if you'll be the guest of honor. Oh, tell them I'd be only too happy. I suppose they'll want me to say a few words. Mr. Gildersleeve says that he'd be only too happy to say a few words. Yeah, ask him what topic they'd like me to speak on, Judge. Oh? Oh, I see. 
So just a minute. They don't want you to speak, Gilday. They want you to sing. Sing? What is this? I'm a busy man, Judge. I'm trying to run a campaign. Tell him certainly not. I'm sorry, Mr. Gildersleeve is extremely busy with his campaigning these days. And he... What's that? Eight hundred. Dollars? Hold the wire. He says if you'll do it, he can practically guarantee you 800 votes. You better grab it, Gildy. Say, for 800 votes, I'd sing all night. Mr. Gildersleeve would be delighted. He'll be there with his music. Well, what do you know about that? You're getting to be a regular thrush, Commissioner. Gildy, I've got it. I've got it. By golly, I've got it. You've got what? The old fox has done it again. The old Look, now, how did Pappy O'Daniel get to be governor of Texas? O'Daniel, ain't he the guy that used to sing past the biscuits, Pappy? That's right. He toured the state with a band. And he sang his way right into office. There's the keynote of your campaign. By George Horace, maybe you've stumbled onto something there. Stumbled my eye. Yeah, you know, all you need is a good campaign song, Commissioner. Look, like this one. Oh, brother. Floyd, where'd you get that piano? I don't know. It came with the joint. Yes. <laughs> now, listen. All vote for guilty, guilty. Gildersleeve's a grand old name. No, 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 no. I've got it. Oh, what a pal is guilty. Oh, what a pal is guilty. Oh, no, no, boy. That's no good. Wait a minute. Oh, here's one. All Gildersleeve. Sweet Gildersleeve. Oh, come and mayors may go. Um, now what? Uh, we still have him, so do not grieve, but vote for him on June the 20th. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fellas, this is kind of fun. Yeah, let's take it again. Hey, Peavy, how's run down the block and bring up a couple of bottles of Coca-Cola? What do you say? Huh? Ready? Oh, oh Gildersleeve speaking. What? Leroy? What's he done? Now, see here, you can't do that. You hold on, I'll be right down there. What's wrong, Gildy? Leroy, they got him down at police headquarters. What's for? Darned if I know. I thought he was home in bed, Judge. Anyway, it's persecution, that's what it is. By George, if Terwilliger's back of this, I'll have a law on him. Come on, fellas. Come on, Floyd. Come on, Peavy. <laughs> Yes, sir. I'll tell this two for a nickel stooge of Mayor Terwilliger. That's right. You tell him, Commissioner. You fellas had better let me handle this. Terwilliger can't push me around, and he can't push my family around either. Gildy, for heaven's sake, be tactful. Tactful. You're an appeaser, you old goat. Quiet. Now, I think that we should leave Floyd and Peavy outside here. Okay. If you need any help, Commissioner, just holler. Unc, don't have put me in jail. I want to go home. Yeah, don't worry, Leroy. No, 
now, see here, Chief. I'm not going to stand for this. Gildy, please. You can't push me around just because Twilliger is mayor. And if I... Now, well, now, wait a minute, Commissioner. Nobody's pushing anybody around yet. So let's not start anything, shall we? That's what I've been telling him, Chief. Shut up, Gildersleeve, and let me represent Leroy. Well, he's my nephew, and I... Shut up! Give me a cigar. Cigar? Uh, here. Thank you. Have a cigar, Chief. Uh, Much obliged, Judge. Now... What's my young friend here charged with? Well, I haven't been able to figure out the law on a judge. It might be a 92A, and on the other hand, it might be a 316. What have you been doing, Leroy? Nothing, Monk. Will you kindly let me handle this, Gildersleeves? Forget the law, Chief. What is it the boy's done? Well, he went around town, and all the Terwilliger posters he could find, he put Hitler mustaches on them. (laughs) How could you do such a thing, Leroy? I was just trying to help you out, Unc. Don't let him put me in jail. Don't you worry, Leroy. Look, Chief, can't we just forget this whole thing? Well, I'd like to, Judge, but Mayor Terwilliger's pretty sore about this. He wants the guilty party punished. Yeah, Terwilliger, eh? This is political persecution. That's what it is. Oh, no, 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 it's not. Oh, yes, it is. You're his chief of police, and he wants you to hamstring my campaign. I know. Any charge is good enough to throw at Gildersleeve. Gildy, please. Now, you're all wrong, Mr. Gildersleeve. Why, if you want to know, I had a complaint an hour ago about a terrible racket going on down at your headquarters. But did I do anything about it? I didn't even bother to call you. Racket, you say? Well, that was the complaint. Disturbing the neighbors. But, Chief, we weren't making any racket. We were just singing. That's right, Chief. A little close harmony, that's all. Well, I figured it was something like that. But you know how these nuts are. They call up all the time, always talking about some little thing. Yeah, I know. Uh, You were harmonizing, huh? Yes. Too bad we didn't have the Chief there, Gildy. He sings a wonderful bass. He does? Well, that's just what we needed. Well, I'm no Caruso. Well, the judge is no Lily Ponds, either. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we just run through it once, Judge, while we've got the Chief here? Go get the boys, Judge. Well, this is very irregular, but if... uh... Boy, Phoebe, come in here. Uh, M is for the million things she gave me. Come on, Chief. O means only that she's growing old. Oh, you're great, Chief. (laughs) She is for the tears she shed to save me. H is for her heart of purest gold. Put them all together, they spell mud. The word that means the world to me. The world to me. Hey, that was wonderful, Chief. You were great. <laughs> we were all good. I think we could do even better. Hey, Unc! Uh, Leroy, what are you doing up? It's way past your bedtime. <laughs> we better send the boy home, eh, Chief? Well, it would be a little irregular, but if the judge is willing to close one eye, I'll close the other. Run along home, Leroy. I'll close the judge's eye. <laughs> all right, folks.
fellas, all together. Every morning a million things she gave me. Oh, me told me that she's growing old, she's growing Many things she gave me. Oh, means up. Oh, it's awfully late. Better look in and see if Leroy got home all right. Uh, look at him lying there, sleeping so peacefully. Cute little fella. All the cares of the day forgotten. Never a thought for the morrow. Fine boy. I holler at him a lot. But if you only knew, I love every hair on his cunning little head. <laughs> Sweet dreams, Leroy. What a character. Oh, good night, everybody. <laughs> This is Ken Carpenter speaking to the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of Parquet Mars and the complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen again next week for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Stay tuned for Inner Sanctum next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time for a few chills as we feature another episode of Inner Sanctum. This one's entitled Lonely Sleep. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. This is your host at the squeaking door again. Just um, sliver in and let me dispel your weariness with a bit of weariness, hmm? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, please. Don't sit in that chair. I'm uh, saving it for rigor mortis to set in. <laughs> oh, dear. I see this is going to be one of those nights when my favorite character gets killed. Yes, Mary. But don't scream blue murder because this is a corpse of a different color. <laughs> well, if it's going to be that kind of a story, I'd better tell folks about something cheerful first. Yes, I mean Lipton tea. Lipton's is such a friendly, welcome drink. And that's because of its brisk flavor. Now, that word brisk is important. It means that Lipton tea always tastes fresh and, and full-bodied, tangy and vigorous. It's never flat or wishy-washy. That's the reason why Lipton seems to make good food taste better and why Lipton tea is the perfect beverage to serve on your entertaining friends. So even if you're not a regular tea drinker, you should try Lipton's. That brisk flavor makes all the difference in the world. And now let's leave the world, uh, temporarily, of course. Tonight's story is called The Lonely Sleep. It's an original radio play by Christopher Mayle. 
who scribbled it during a nightmare. And our star is Carl Swenson, who plays the role of Archie Gold. Murder is a specter which nudges all of us, anywhere. Most of us will never murder, but can any of us say we never will? Certainly Archie Gold, 30-ish, bald and mild-mannered, never thought he would murder. Archie was the window display man for Greg's department store. At night, the store is a fantastic nightmare of eerie shadows, covered showcases, cavernous depths, and dank, stale odors. With only his own hollow footsteps for sound. Because windows are dressed at night. It's night now. Archie's busy in his storeroom, crating his favorite mannequin for shipment to the mannequin factory. Being a lonely man, he talks to the mannequin. And being in love with Esther Newman of the store's accounting office, he naturally calls his favorite mannequin, Esther. You've been very mean to me, Esther. The last time I asked you to go out with me, you snickered at me. That's not nice. That's why I had to do this to you. Archie tucked Esther's smooth pink torso into a crate. There. Perfect fit, darling. Perfect. Then Archie wrapped Esther's slim legs and arms in excelsior, tucked them into another crate. So you wouldn't put your arms around me, darling. Well, you won't get another chance. Then Archie picked up Esther's pretty head and placed it on his workbench. Oh, Esther. I'm so lonely. Why don't people talk to me? Why can't I be popular? But what's wrong with me? Why don't you go out with me? What Archie never dreamed was that the real Esther Newman was at that moment slamming the last of her monthly report books closed, clicking off the light, and starting out of the finance office toward the rear door of the store. She stopped by Archie's half-open door when she hears his voice. uh, No, listen to me, Esther, darling. I am making enough money here to buy us a little place over in Jersey. See, all my life, I wanted to love someone like you. You're so beautiful. You will marry me, won't you, darling? Why, Archie, yeah. go! <laughs> Sitting there proposing to a dummy. And the dummy's name is Esther. What a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> Esther, you, uh, you worked late. I, I didn't know. Uh, no. I mean, yes, yes, I, I give the mannequins names. It's sort of a game. Yeah, a game. That's, that's it. Well, they don't talk back, anyhow. No, they don't talk back. But they're sort of kind. They smile at me. And see, I'm I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. I work all night. Esther, will, will you go out with me Sunday night, mm-hmm. please? Just just dinner and, and the movies. Are could... you kidding? Why don't you ask your dummy friend? Hey, say what a swell idea! She won't eat much. You can maybe get her into the movies for half price, and <laughs> when you kiss her good night, Archie. She won't slap your face. <laughs> Why are you looking at me that way? You shouldn't laugh. You, you're crazy. You're trying to scare me. <laughs> yes, uh, that's it. No, you're not. You are crazy. Don't come near her. Archie. You shouldn't laugh. Archie, don't. You shouldn't laugh. My turn to laugh. See? My... My turn. <laughs> <laughs>
shouldn't laugh. People shouldn't laugh when you're lonely. You see, the specter of murder had nudged Archie, and he's obeyed. This was no mannequin at his feet. This was a woman, warm, beautiful, and dead. Then, being scared and lonelier than ever, Archie talked to his mannequins again. This time to Frank, painted and rouged and handsome in Greg's bargain 2950 tweed suit. You heard her laughing at me, Frank. I, I, I just couldn't stand her laughing at me again. You look at her, Frank. You'd think she was asleep. Her neck's broken. See, what am I going to do with her? I got to think. Got to hide her. Got to dress the front window, too. The window. Sale of cozy kitten mattresses starts tomorrow. It's a big sale. Sleep on a cozy kitten. I've got it, Frank. The window. I've put her in the window. On a cozy kitten mattress. No real no. And then tomorrow night... So Archie used some pancake makeup, bringing life to Esther's sallowing cheeks and purple lips. He placed her dead weight on a hard truck. He rolled her to the lighted window. An hour later, Esther's corpse, covered with gleaming white sheets and sleazy satin quilt, smiled in peaceful bliss at the empty street. Archie found his work well done. Nothing more to do now. Just wait. I'll go home. And wait. That's a good window. You look very pretty in bed, Esther. I've been watching you, young fella. Yeah. Saw you do the whole thing. I... What's the matter? I scare you? <laughs> no, no, officer. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't know. Yeah, I've been in the doorway across the street watching you. A lot of work to make enough one of them windows, ain't there? Yeah. You saw me do the whole window, you mean? Uh-huh. Oh. So I put the mattresses in, make the bed, put the signs in, then fix the lights. Then you put the girl in the bed and fix her face up. That's a nice job. Yeah. <laughs> Say, you look bad, son. Yeah. Anything wrong? You sick? Huh? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just tired. All through for the night? Yeah, I'm all through. Uh, good night, officer. Good night, young fella, and don't worry about your girlfriend. I'll keep an eye on her every night. <laughs> so Archie went home, as you or I might have done. And because he'd been too busy setting his little post-mortem stage, the impact of his crime began to seep through only as he neared his rooming house. Maybe the girl in the doorway he passed started him thinking because she laughed. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Just a girl, my date. You can't blame Archie for hurrying. You would have thought it was Esther, too. Archie hurried. He hurried to the rooming house. He raced up the steps. He had to get to his room, get in and close the door of the world. Close the door. That's it. They can't laugh at me here. They won't find me here. This is my room. I... Nerves. Stupid running like that. I've got to act normal. Sure, just just like nothing happened. I, I couldn't help it. She made me do it. 
No, forget about it. Why, Archie, I... go. No. 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 You, you can't laugh now. You're, you're... I'm dead, Archie. Yes, in a way. I'm in Greg's department store. Window. I don't believe in ghosts. It's... It's just my mind, my... my imagination. That's right, Archie. You're too clever to believe in ghosts. I'm not a ghost, Archie. I'm in your mind. I'm part of you now. Part of you. Get out! Get out! Drive you out! Oh, no, Archie. You can't. Unless... Unless? Unless, Archie. Unless you replace me with someone else. Yes. Yes. That might do it. Someone else. Another girl. See? That's how a murderer thinks. Oh, yes, yes. You do the same thing. Archie never thought he would murder. Now he's ready to do it again. Get rid of his conscience to get rid of a voice. Archie lit a cigarette. He poured himself some milk. Ignoring the laugh in his brain of the little push Look at your hands, Archie. Look at them. <laughs> All crooked and hard and clutchy. Oh. Like they were on my throat. No, shut Archie threw himself on the bed and jammed the pillow against his ears. He fell into a dream worse than reality. Uh, 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 hello? Uh? Archie Gold? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this is Archie Gold. Uh, this is Mr. Greg, Archie. I know this is your time to sleep, but it's important that you get down here right away. Uh, is anything wrong, Mr. Gray? I can't tell you over the phone. Come down here. Goodbye. All right, Mr. Craig. After he'd shaved and dressed, Archie felt a little better. After all, if they'd discovered anything, Mr. Gregg wouldn't have called. He'd have sent the police. Feeling of confidence stayed with him until he stood across the street from Gregg's. He lost it then. It dropped with a sickening pain about his heart and a dry pinching about his lips. People were standing three deep in front of his window display. And he caught sight of a policeman's cab following Mr. Gregg's bald head into the store. Well, were you thinking of going window shopping tomorrow? Hmm? <laughs> Want to be popular? Have lots of people crowding about you on the... Uh, Sidewalk side of a plate glass window. Want to be a mannequin? <laughs> Look up Archie Gold. He's the mannequin doer. <laughs> well, all I can say is I'm glad that murderer is about to be caught. Why, Mary, don't talk that way. It was really kind of Archie to put her on the mattress. She was so sleepy. In fact, she was dead to the world. <laughs> yes, the one to feel sorry for is Archie. Why, the poor fellow's shivering. Why don't you make him a cup of uh, Lipton a tea? Hmm? <laughs> Lipton's is too good for him. And besides, he's probably too scared to taste the difference between Lipton's and ordinary teas. Yes, folks, Lipton tea is different. 
In the language of tea experts, Lipton's has a brisk flavor. And when they use that, use that word brisk, B-R-I-S-K, they mean that Lipton tea tastes tangy and spirited, really full-bodied. It's never flat or weak. So get acquainted with that brisk flavor. Why, you just don't know how good tea can be till you know how good Lipton's is. Well, let's see how good Archie's alibi is. Remember Archie, the lonely little man who dresses Greg's department store windows at night? Just couldn't stand being spurned by Esther Newman any longer. She laughed at him when he asked for a date, and now... Esther is a lifeless mannequin advertising the restful qualities of cozy kitten mattresses in the window display. And Archie enters the store to see what's in store for him. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Greg, I'm, uh... Archie Gold, come in, come in. Close the door. Sit down. My boy, you know Miss Newman and our bookkeeping department? Yes, sir. I knew her, but I'd, I'd, I'd like a chance. Now you're going to get a chance, my boy. Before leaving on a week's vacation, Miss Newman completed our annual report. Miss Newman is on vacation? Yes, yes, yes. Which isn't important. The report shows we sold 16 cozy kitten mattresses in one year. Well, that's not many, is it, sir? It's terrible. We were stuck with 1,500 of them. Just a minute now. Jenkins. Jenkins. Yes, Mr. Gregg. How many mattresses have you sold now? 802, sir. Hear that, Gold? Yes, sir. 802 mattresses in a couple of hours. And your window display did that. My boy, you're a genius. Uh, Mr. Gregg, I... I no, 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 no. I know just what you're going to say. Any man who has the imagination to put a woman dummy asleep in a window... And such a dummy. So, so peaceful. How much we pay you, Archie? Thirty-six forty-seven a week, sir. Starting today, it's seventy-two ninety-four. And a private office, and you're the head window display manager of my three stores. Ha! Stunned you, huh? Everything I've always wanted. What's more? I've had pictures taken of that window with the crowds, and the paper promised to run it in tonight's edition. With your name. Good? Yes, sir. I, I want you to know, sir, I, I appreciate it. Oh, oh nonsense. Greg knows a bargain. I'll go home to bed again or take tonight off. Oh, no, no. I, uh, I, I have work to do. Ah, get more good ideas? Good, good. Uh, m- Mr. Greg. Yes, my boy. If, uh, if the mattresses are selling so well, we won't need the display. I, I can take it out tonight. Oh, nonsense. Don't touch it. We'll run this sale for two weeks. I just ordered 1,500 more mattresses. <laughs> Success and popularity was sweet to Archie's taste. But Archie knew a corpse, no matter how beautiful, cannot survive the sun beating through glass for long. And Archie knew that. It was a wretched rainy night. Greg's department store had long since closed its doors. The night belonged again to Archie. Now he had a nasty job to do. He drew the curtains across the big window. Casey officer was watching again. Esther was just a mannequin now, a mannequin of flesh and bones, but a mannequin. And Archie spoke to his mannequin. You've had a hard day, Esther, darling, haven't you? Well, it's all over now. You never did anything for me alive. Dead, you brought me success. Now I've got to send you away. You're stiff and cold, Esther. And you can't laugh now, can you? Esther couldn't laugh. And Archie opened the crates which contained the mannequin he had originally planned to ship. With a few simple tools and lots of work, 
He made Esther, the real Esther, conform to his original shipment. A torso, a pair of slim legs and arms, and a head. Yeah. Who? who? What? That's the alley door. Somebody's there. Gee, a cop, maybe. I've I got, got, got to act natural. After all, she's well hidden. Uh, Could I come in? Please, I'm so wet and tired. A girl. It's a girl. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, come in. Uh, get out of that rain. Thanks. Why, you poor kid, you're soaked. Come into the workshop. I've got a heater in there. Gosh, thanks. She was sent to me. Someone took her guest's place. Feel better now? Yeah, lots better. You're very kind. How did you happen to pick this store to knock at? Well, the alley seemed a good place to get out of the wind. It started to rain and I saw your light. Oh, I see. And you're broke. Yeah. The usual story. I came to town from Philly to get a job. Job was there, all right, but the boss wasn't on the level. Well, don't you have a home? A parents or a husband, I mean? Uh-uh. Oh, that's no. a shame. Um, look, uh, stay, stay right there now. I, I, I'll be right uh, back. You're, you're not uh, leaving me, are you? No, no. I'm going to get a blanket to, to put across your shoulders. I'll be right back. Of course, he'd be right back. Wasn't this just what he needed? Another mannequin to satisfy Esther's voice? Made sense. The second time, it's easier. It always is. Don't move, man. Yeah. I'll put it across your shoulders. All right. You're a very lonely man, aren't you, Mr. Gold? Yeah. How do you know that? Because I like you. How does that prove I'm lonely? I like lonely people. Why? Because I'm terribly lonely myself. <laughs> I, I got some coffee in the thermos here. I'll, I'll get you some. I like it here. I like to look at the mannequins. Especially that handsome one there. What do you call him? What do you mean, call him? Well, you must talk to him. I would. You're wonderful. You understand. Yeah, I, I do. I do talk to him. His name's Frank. Uh, Frank, meet May. May, this is Frank. Hello, Frank. I'm sleepy, Frank. Oh, May. Why did you come tonight? Why couldn't you have come two nights ago? Uh, uh, you, you're sleepy? Mm-hmm. I'm warm and sleepy. Uh, look, I have three hours before my window has to be finished, and I have an errand that'll take me about an hour. You you climb into the bed in the window and... and... People will see me in the window. No, no, the, the curtains are drawn. I, I'll... I'll wake you when I get back. All right. Looks like the kind of bed I could sleep on forever and... Ever. Doesn't always work out the way you plan it, see? Archie didn't want to murder us, did But he did. Archie wants to murder May, but he'd rather not. Well, Archie drew the satin quilts over May. She smiled closed her eyes with murmured thanks. It was asleep. Archie knew now he loved her. 
that he must never listen to her speak again. While Archie carried the crates containing Esther's remains into the station wagon in the alley, a little man with a sad, droopy face and a derby hat argued with the night captain of the local police station. I tell you, I know what I'm talking about. I, I stopped at Greg's window four times today. I, I know a corpse when I see one. Well, I saw that window, too. That's a dummy in that bed. I know a dummy when I see one. I don't doubt that, Captain. You've had more experience with dummies than I have, but I've had more experience with corpses than you have. That's, that's a dead girl in the bed. Now, what makes you so sure? I've been an undertaker for 40 years. My name is Huzak. My establishment is down the block from Greg's store on 10th Street. Uh, okay, we'll check. Now, operator, get me Mr. Greg. Yeah, Greg's department store. Of course it is home. What else at this hour? Archie had a plan. Excitement gripped him. But that habit of years was strong, and he talked to Esther as he piled her... Three coffins into the station wagon in the alley. Don't you worry, Esther. In a half hour, you'll be at the bottom of the river. You shouldn't have laughed, Esther. Then, I'll come back to me. Sure. Archie had a plan, all right. But it didn't include the little old undertaker who knew a corpse when he saw one. Or an angry, sleepy Mr. Gregg. Or a confused nightcapper. We're right then coming to a stop in front of the store. This is an outrage, a preposterous, fantastic farce. Getting me down here in the middle of the night. Prove I have a corpse in my window. I know, Mr. Craig. I feel silly about it myself, but Mr. Huzak here seems so sure. The curtains are drawn in front of the window. We'll have to go inside. Uh, in a minute, you're all going to look very silly. There. Does that look like a corpse? No. You're right. It's not a corpse. It isn't a dummy either. She's alive. Breathing. Something queer here. I'm going to look around outside. Archie! Archie, go! Archie! Archie didn't hear himself being paid. But at the entrance of the alley, he saw the police car in front and he heard the police captain shouting from the sidewalk. That was when Archie decided it was better to be lonely. The lonely are the better. They found out. That's the police. They said they found out. Hey, hey, you! Wait ah! right now. Doctor, they won't catch me. They won't. Got the right thread. I gotta go through. Faster. Faster. Why can't it go faster? never heard Archie's last words. They bubbled through his torn throat as he lay in a glass-smashed window through which he'd crashed. No one. I'm... I'm... so lonely. No. So lonely. Well, Greg, here's your Archie Gold. Bet those crates will be interesting. Uh, awful. Awful. Yeah. Quite a mess. No one was cruel enough to point out a gruesome bit of grisly humor. 
The lonely little man who'd spent so much time in display windows had created his final masterpiece. Archie had decorated his last window in Husack's funeral parlor. The lesson we learned from tonight's story is that murder doesn't pay. It's a losing business. Murderers are always in the uh, red. <laughs> and it's strenuous work, too. You're bound to find yourself a little stiff. <laughs> Mr. Host, I did not like that story. Well, neither did I, Mary. Imagine the cozy kitten mattress company pulling a smart advertising stunt like that on Lipton's time and for free. <laughs> now, that's not what I mean at all. And if you're worried about Lipton's, let me assure you that Lipton's is the largest selling brand of tea in the whole world. That's the kind of popularity that really counts. And folks, if you'll just once try Lipton tea, I think you'll be convinced, too. Well, I have to run along now, folks. Got some shopping to do in Greg's department store. What? Oh, I know it's late, but, um, you see, Archie and I shop at night to uh, avoid the shrouds, you know. <laughs> By the way, this month's Inner Sanctum Mystery Novel is Puzzle for Wantons by Patrick Quentin. Oh, and here's a special announcement. Next week's Inner Sanctum story, directed by Hyman Brown and brought to you by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Next week's story is about a man whose dreams always come true. All he has to do is to dream that somebody's being murdered and... <laughs> Enough to keep you awake, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, until we meet again next Tuesday, you uh, you dream of me and I'll dream of you. Hmm? <laughs> now it's time to close the squeaking door, so good night. Pleasant dreams. Hmm? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by The Saint. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.